Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. I'm Immortal Alexander. And I'm Jeanette Andromeda. This is Season 6, Episode 3, and our topic today is What Do Readers Want? Our guest today is our good friend Mary Paul, who is a prolific reader and amazing at a lot of things. Welcome, Mary. Hello. Hello, everyone. Yay. So what we wanted to talk about today and uh, why we have Mary on is we wanted to ask the question, what do readers want? And Mary is a prolific reader. I I don't think I've ever seen you not read like four books at the same time. Can you can you tell everybody a little bit about your uh, your reading habits? My reading habits, my filthy filthy reading habits. There's, well, it yeah. all began when I was a young child, and then. Um, but no, I I mean I I got reading as a hobby from uh, from my family. My family was always willing to buy me books, which was nice. Um, and you know I grew up in the wild west pre-internet, uh, so um, well there. <laughs> There was a little internet out there, but it wasn't wasn't like like it is today. Uh, and my grandmother did a great deal of reading, and I, I mostly picked up from her. Um, and then that just followed me around um, forever, I guess. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I I, I I would consider myself a, an Uber user of Goodreads. Um, mm-hmm. I have about four thousand books uh, listed there, of which you know something like twelve hundred um, have. I've read, and then, you know, another 2,000 I want to read, because isn't that always the way you have more books that you want to read than you've gotten to? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I when I have the time, I'll rip through a couple books a day. Um, uh, I, I read one entire book yesterday and then got to rip through a few, uh, finish off a few today, and, you know, I just... I I can do it pretty quickly, um, and I love it so much. It's hard to uh, hard to put it down, <laughs> which of course makes me sound like a little old lady who's nothing better to do. But I <laughs> I actually have a job, and um, I just kind of fit it in the cracks, you know, whether I'm relaxing at night or or whatever. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, so I spend the time uh, instead of Instagramming, you know, uh, reading and stuff instead. And Mary's actually one of Jeanette's best friends. It's true. And an extraordinary, true, I guess, and whatever, <laughs> and whatever. I'll admit to it, maybe. I don't know. And also an extraordinarily talented person. Mary does a lot of oh, things. Thank you. <laughs> I do a lot of things. A lot of things. That is an accurate statement. I was I was working Fashion Week with Michael Flores last week, and this week I'm up at Yale. So yeah, I, I keep I keep things interesting. It's true. I I feel like every time I'm just like, oh, I wonder what Mary's up to. It's something entirely new and exciting. It's like, oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Uh, I'm also uh, 
big fan of photography and travel is a, another thing I love I love to do. And, and Jeanette gets to hear all my crazy travel stories of, Jeanette, I was at a monastery and I was staying there a week. And then I met these crazy Canadians and they taught me all the best swears and, <laughs> yeah. and things like that. So. I love your I guess stories. that helps uh, cement our friendship. Yeah. Definitely. And you're also <laughs> a very talented musician, composer, artist. I don't know how many other things. Photographer. Knows like how many languages? Um, I, I, I mean, I can, <laughs> I can get in trouble in many languages. Um, <laughs> uh, fluency is uh, definitely a matter of opinion, but I do tend to read in um, three languages. I, I go between um, English, uh, French, and then now I'm reading more Chinese and Japanese as well. So there you go, everyone. That's, that is Mary. And she also oh. does an amazing owl impersonation. Just oh, saying, it's true. This I, is where he was I going. I do an owl impersonation. <laughs> it's it's I that. Yes, yes. Alex's favorite sound. It's my favorite sound in the world. <laughs> it cracks him up every time you make that noise. <laughs> having having rehabilitated owls, I can verify that owls do not make that noise. But Mm-mm. I will I will say <laughs> that yes, that is definitely an owl. In in my noise. head, they do. So. Yeah. So Mary, I want I want to start with uh with a a simple maybe this this is might not be a simple question, but I want to start with this question. What do you think makes a good book? And and that can um, be fiction I, or nonfiction. Sure. Uh I mean I read I read a fair amount of both. Um I'll definitely go through stints where I'm reading more of one or the other, but then they also will feed back on each other. For example, I read um uh Burmese Days and then I read George Orwell and Burma. You know, which of course gave me a whole lot of insight, which I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and uh, you know, reading about the history of a place can then feed back the stories. But I find that the stories can kind of well, how to say it. I mean, it's one thing. Like, uh, I love to read because I love to travel and I love to experience different cultures. And and um, you know, it feels very fresh to see, you know, a different perspective, a different life, a different location, and and history and and you know, it allows us to live lives that we would not otherwise be able to. So I'll switch between the two because although I'll get important information from the nonfiction, I'll then go and get the stories that will really stick with me, you know, to inhabit that world, you know, like a virtual reality where I can kind of, you know, really cement it into my subconscious. So then when I when I end up in Spain or in France or, you know, wherever I, I am that week, you know, I can you know, have a better context and, and get along with people uh, more easily. Um, I I love using books to to talk to people, um, not just, you know, about books and things, but to better understand their backgrounds and uh, where they come from. Uh, and then, you know, because I read so much, I definitely, I definitely go very strongly by recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a friend recommends a book to me, uh, I will usually read it if I have time. Um, you know, because it doesn't take me very long to rip through something most of the time, uh, you know, I, I, I can do that. Um, and then otherwise, I'm looking at lists from, you know, people I admire and, and other references and, you know, following the daisy chain along from one author to the next and, you know, who inspired them. And um, then, of course, looking at lists like, you know, the top XYZ, you know, the best books about China or the, you know, top classic you know, 100 books that you have to read or whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, or, or fun lists like, you know, David Bowie's book list or, <laughs> um, 
you know, Neil Gaiman's book list, Amanda Palmer's favorite books, you know, things like that too, because I feel that, again, I can get a lot of insight into, um, you know, different people and cultures and, and where they got their, you know, information from, where they got their stories from, you know, because how, what we read and what we take in also defines us and allows us to, you know, explore our own identities in ways that we wouldn't otherwise be able to. I mean, you know, we're stuck in, in, you know, one head with one pair of eyes and not only being able to live all these lives, but also getting all these fresh perspectives and, and different stories. And sometimes they're hard and sometimes they're painful mm -hmm. and sometimes they give you nightmares, but if they leave you richer for it, you know, I mean, sometimes even terrible books can be good for you. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's true. You know, um, certainly there are books that I have been like, Oh, Oh, you have to read that. Oh, but like <laughs> sit down first. <laughs> like, you know, don't, you, you, you know, drink it with a beer. It's going yeah. to take a while, you know. There's certain um, ones where you have to prepare yourself for them. <laughs> yeah, I've been working my way through um, the People's History of the U.S., uh, of the no, People's History of America, Zinser. Um, and it's, or sorry, Zin. And it's, uh, it's very dark and it clearly has a certain perspective, but it also is really important about, you know, the dark side of the founding of America and where some things came from and some, a lot of primary source material, which I respect very much. Um, but it's definitely a book to be taken with a glass of bourbon because you read these terrible, terrible things that happened and why they happened. And, you know, it, 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 you just kind of have to like, you know, either take a, take a slug of your cigarette or like, you know, <laughs> pick up a beer and just to get through that chapter. And, and, but, and brace you yourself. You know, still... Yeah, but I think it's important to, you know, to see that. And then I also think it's important to read opinions you, you will not necessarily agree with. You know, I mean, it's very important to not get yourself in an echo chamber. Definitely. Um, so what... Um... Well, actually, I want to ask this oh, okay. question of you, Jeanette. Okay. Um, for Jeanette first, um, what makes you want to pick up a book in the first place? Ooh. Mm -hmm. um, Do I'm... you judge a book by it? Cover, Jeanette? I do. <laughs> I 100% do. As, as, as an art snob, um, if a book has a really bad cover, but someone recommends it to me, I will read the blurb and then make my decision based on that. Uh, but normally, uh -huh. if I'm just perusing books, like I used to do this a lot in libraries, I would just go, bup, 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 what looks interesting, open it up based on the cover, open up the blurb, read that, say, okay or no. And it was mm. cover first, blurb second, first page last. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, that's uh what normally has me pick up a book. But also when people say you have to read this, go read this, it'll change your life, or it was just a really good read. Those are the ones I will also just go hunt out. Yeah, absolutely. How about you? It sounds like you go down some weird rabbit holes when picking books. So what makes I you do. decide, I yes, I want to read like, this? Well, um, because I go by recommendation and lists and other, you know, when I hear, I listen to a lot of podcasts, including yours. Um, <laughs> and when I, when I hear recommendations, you know, from people I admire or oh, you know, person I really enjoy wrote a book or something, you know, I want to, I want to check it out, especially if their, their books kind of changed, um, you know, were seminal, they, they brought a whole bunch of new ideas to the table. Um, but, uh, I, I'm a sucker for a good cover. Um, <laughs> but I mean, how much time are we spending in, 
in classic bookstores, I guess is another question. Um, Not much. I actually like that. I, I think I, I also look uh, more to the than I used to. Um, you know, I just read, uh, I just finished today, Swindled, A History of uh, Poison Sweets and Adulterated Candies. What was, that, what was the full title? I don't remember. Oh, that sounds, um, oh, you tweeted that or something. You shared that yes, with me. It I looks tweeted it. I tweeted hilarious, it but eye-opening. Yeah, it is really fascinating. Um, I'll, I'll sometimes read very boring things like history of salt or history of, mm-hmm. you know, poison. Um, you know, it, it's very, it, it's actually kind of fascinating. Great uh, dinner table conversation. Um, but, uh, did you know whole... that salt came from? <laughs> did you know that you can't even make ice cream unless you have salt? Very important. That is a good dinner conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, swindled from poison sweets to counterfeit coffee. The dark history of the food cheats is the whole title. Um, and certainly seeing something like that is, is very interesting to me. Um, Mistakes were made, but not by me. Uh, a history, <laughs> like a guide to how the brain fools itself. Um, Ooh, that's good. You know, things like that are definitely going to pique my interest. Um, uh, and certainly, if I've read the author's other work and I see something new, I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. I definitely have an author bias. If I read something by one author that I'm just like, wow, that was amazing, they get immediately on my radar, and then I make sure to read whatever else they put out because I'm like, I need more of you. Please give I feel me bad because I am sometimes biased against <laughs> because I read so so much. It's almost like I I give like unnecessary bias to books I don't like um, oh. or authors that I don't like. And for years, I was convinced that I hated Hemingway. And that was my big that was my my hill to die on. I hate <laughs> Hemingway. Hemingway is awful. Well, I went to Paris, and while I was there, I read um, A Movable Feast, mm-hmm. and it was incredible because, you know, he kind of, he, he writes a lot of tough guy prose. He's a very distinctive style. Um, but in a movable feast, it was like the veil was torn away and it was suddenly this deep insight into the soft and sensitive nature of his failures and his formation. And it was like this, it just completely changed how I thought of him. And same thing with George Orwell. I had only read 1984 and Slaughter, um, 1984 and Animal Farm, mm-hmm. you know, like you do. Yep. And when I was in Spain, I picked up Homage to Catalonia and it was incredible. And then I had to read all of his other books because I was like, oh, wow, this is not, it's funny when an author becomes known for something so well and then you find out he has this vast body of work that has no resemblance to it at all. Um, and, and sometimes it's just not the right time. You pick up a book by an author and you just don't get it and then years later you reread the book or pick up something else and suddenly, it's, you know, it's, hilarious you know oh, <laughs> definitely like, I didn't any of these jokes <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty sure I tried to read um Tommy Knockers when I was in by oh. Stephen King when I was in high school uh-huh. and I just could not get into it I was like I don't know and right now I'm like mm-hmm. ripping through it <laughs> this is great mm-hmm. why didn't I like this before I don't know you just weren't ready yet I guess I didn't I didn't touch Stephen King because Scary stories to tell in the dark would give me horrific nightmares. Nightmare before oh. Christmas. I couldn't even watch the beginning sequence because it would give me such terrible nightmares. I was the biggest chicken known to God. Oh. And years and years later, maybe after working on some horror films. Oh, you know. <laughs> I, I slowly I slowly got like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. It's kind of okay. 
And then I started reading King, and I started with Carrie because I was working on Carrie the Musical, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, I might as well through the source material. And it was great. And then I was reading tons of King. Of course, I started with The Shining and everything. And there's just such good work there. There's some... <laughs> the more you read of his, of his work, though, I, I feel like there, you know, the weaknesses start to come through. Sometimes I find it terrible when you really love an author's work and you're like, I'm going to read everything that they did. And then you start realizing how terribly formulaic they are. <laughs> kind of, it kind of kills it. Um, Chuck Palahniuk. I was like, I will read all of these because my crush loves Chuck Palahniuk and I need to read all of them. And then I just sat there one day, like reading through the entire catalog. <laughs> then, you know, when you read them all that close together, you realize like, oh, wow, he just keeps using that framing device. Look at him go. <laughs> yep. Look at that pistol up there on the on the fireplace. Um, Alex, so you have a question. I love no? an author, I... I'll, I'll space things out. <laughs> I do. Um, so, Jeanette, what makes a compelling character for you? Uh, uh, for me, well, I'm always drawn to like strong female characters, which is why I find it surprising that Tommy Knockers did not uh, appeal to me in the beginning, mm-hmm. because. It's just a strong female character from the get-go. Um, but mm-hmm. I think sci-fi was something I had to grow into, for one thing. So mm-hmm. I was always drawn to fantasy to start off with. And then it was urban fantasy. And then hella horror, as as you know. <laughs> and for a second, I thought that was a subgenre. And I was trying to imagine what that Hella was. horror. <laughs> just like deep it's into California all of the trash. horror. Hella horror. <laughs> it's California trash. Um, yeah. And, it's, and it's super fake. And now, I don't know, I, I read a lot, but I think what makes a compelling character for me is someone who is likable enough to want to join their journey on, but has enough flaws to be interesting, and I'm a sucker for um, plot, so if there's a good plot and a interesting character, I want in on the journey. Nice. How about you, Mary? I, huh, I really like the crafty ones. I like the... <laughs> The antisocial weird ones, the what, the Time Lords. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> the Time but, uh, Lords. <laughs> the uh, I I do I do actually really like strong, crafty male characters like uh, Bond or mm-hmm. um, Sherlock Holmes or um, even uh, Miss Marple. Um, I know that's kind of a weird one, but <laughs> I I I think um, I find the crafty, trickstery characters that are charismatic to be to be very fun. I would love more female characters that followed the vibe of the Sherlock's and the the Time Lords of the world, but I I have yet to like I haven't seen enough of them out there. Yeah, those are I'm hard to looking. find. I, I keep looking. So often they're they're these. I, I mean, even if it passes the Bechdel test, even if they're good, strong female characters, they're not usually the crafty, charismatic leads. If they are, they're more of like you know the manic pixie dream girl mm-hmm. variety, which. Manic Pixie Dream Girl is okay, but it's still not, it's not a Sherlock, you know, it's not a, a Doctor Who, you know? Right. It would be nice to see it, yeah. uh, a character like, like a Sherlock Holmes who didn't get mm-hmm. sidetracked by the fact that, oh, I'm female, so that means I have to be sexy in a stereotypical female way and get distracted by that. But unaware of my that. beauty. I'm aware of my beauty. <laughs> I am I am un, I am unaccountably cum- clumsy but every male loves me <laughs> and I don't know how beautiful I am. That that is when I want to throw a book away is when I'm just like these characters you're so 
perfect. You're so perfect. You're so smart. Your hair is a tousled mess, but everyone loves you. The, Mar- the Mary Janes of the world. Oh my God, the Mary Janes of the world. Um, Alex. Mary Sue's. Wait, Mary Sue's. Mary Sue's. Mary, Sorry, Mary yes. Janes are the shoes I wear. Yes. What What draws you in for a character? What makes a compelling character in a story for you? I guess um, some sort of frailty. You know, mm-hmm. something in them that makes them feel more human, more connected. Uh, not just some mm-hmm. sort of like a, a generic character, like uh, this is the jock, this is the tough guy, this is the sassy mm-hmm. one, this is the whatever. But somebody with some real humanity to them, whether a ba- they're a bad guy or a good guy, it doesn't really matter to mm-hmm. me what their intentions are. Just having like a, an, a villain with a little hint of frailty is so freaking intriguing. Like I just want to know everything mm-hmm. about them and I want to see how that frailty pans out how does it affect the story how does it affect their interactions and so for me that's really the big thing of any character that really makes me want to know more about them is a little bit of frailty Mm -hmm. you know certainly dimensional character is is always a challenge Mm -hmm. and having a believable one you know where the you know they're they're not Batman you know (laughs) yeah where's their frailty well their parents were killed or their girlfriend was killed, or, you know, like, their <laughs> aunt external was frailty. killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, in the beginning like, of, a, of a horror movie or any kind of a drama, and then you're like, they killed my mommy, I'm so upset. And you're like, I don't know who you guys are. You know, I have no clue... Yeah who you people are or even in a book sometimes you'll just you'll do something will happen and you're like i don't know who you are i don't know why i should like you or not like you or i don't feel that connection between you and this person just saying the word mommy or daddy or boyfriend or husband or girlfriend or significant other or grandmother means nothing to me unless i know who these people are and it always comes with a little bit of frailty if you see a person that's a little bit sad or or uh there's just something that's something wrong in, in them or in, in, you know, whether you can see it in their face in a, in a, in a physical medium, like, like film or television, or if you can just yeah. sense it in just their actions yeah. and, and, or, or inactions. And you're like, Oh, Oh, there's something, there's something a little bit sad or off about this person. And I want to know more. And then if something, when some, even if it's, even if it's a little beat and then something bad happens to them immediately after you're still, you were like longing to know more and then they got killed. So that's why it has so much of an impact on you. Yeah. I was reading a guide to uh, the five reasons not to kill your character. <laughs> and Do tell. Uh, it, was rather, it was rather enjoyable. And uh, one of them was to motivate another character. Like my girlfriend died, my, my aunt died, my parents were killed. You know, like that's just lazy writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was just to piss off your audience. Yep. <laughs> that's not a, not a great reason. Um, let me see if I can remember the other one. Uh, I, those are the two that I remember most. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. You know, I think the third one was like to motivate revenge of the characters, like, but not like a formulative revenge, just a, you know, like, oh, I'm really committed now. <laughs> you know, I mean, some, some, some devices have been used so yes. many times. And, and actually knowing you know, what those devices are and what those pitfalls are mean mm-hmm. you can either avoid them and come up with more inventive ways or use them but knowingly manipulate that so like instead of oh i'm motivated now because you killed my dog how many times has that happened 
so many times. Oh, stupid. Um, but what so was that? What was that brutal films. movie we watched where that happened and it actually worked? Oh, uh, John Wick. John Wick. Holy moly! Oh, John Wick was good. John Wick. Um, spoilers, everyone. But I'm gonna tell you anyway. Um, he his uh his his wife gets killed or dies, uh-huh. and then the dog is all that's left. She gave him a puppy to remember her by. And he kind of begrudgingly falls in love with this dog. And oh, then no. these horrible people break into his house. And you can imagine. Oh, no. Where that oh, goes. Oh, no. Puppy killing ahead. Puppy killing. See you, see you. <laughs> this is why trigger I'm not. Warning, trigger warning. I don't, I don't have any problems spoiling this because you should know there's a puppy murdered <laughs> in this movie. It's sort of like the people, the people who went to the movie. What was that movie? A Dog's Purpose. And they're like, oh, there's a cute puppy on the front. And it's like. The story's about reincarnation, so you watch this dog die oh over and over. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so, like, people went there thinking it was, like, some kind of cute family movie, and we're like, what is this? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, no, but, but, I mean, but... if you're going to use one of those tropes, like, if you could at least make it interesting, like, mm-hmm. you killed my grandma, and she sucked. <laughs> but I guess I have to do this now. <laughs> that <laughs> does... Like, yeah, that makes it interesting because it's a twist because it's like, I should be sad. But, but... I'm not really. Yeah. But like, you you killed my mom, but she was a deadbeat and I never saw her. And, you know, like now I feel like I should do something, but like, I kind of like you, but I kind of don't. Like, I mean, at least you could do something interesting with it. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. Take like, it one step further. Than, it's all my fault and I am so guilty about it. You know, so... Uh, my husband and I are are both huge readers, which is you know one of the things that uh, caught my attention. So just mm-hmm. so you know, nice nice guys read. You know, there there are girls looking for that. It's great. It's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was an English major. It's great. Uh, but so um, we were talking about. He is a big fanboy of Star Wars. I am a big fangirl of uh, to heaven forbid non-books uh doctor who and buffy but also (laughs) have spent a lot of time in the harry potter universe and have worked my way through many other broad fan base based series and we were discussing what makes a book one of those you know as opposed to just a very popular book or a bestseller or a you know classic what makes a book get become its own world what makes a book really pull in people to such extent that not only are they reading the book and they talk about the book and they want to make a movie and they want to make a musical, but they want to inhabit that world. They want to create that world. It's real to them, you know, whether it's Driscoll Orton or it's, you know, um, Game of Thrones or it's mm-hmm. um, Harry Potter or Star Wars, you know, which I, I, I'm including the novels, of course, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what makes a book a world builder that, you know, becomes a huge fan base. Now for Harry Potter, I was definitely part of that <laughs> huge fandom. Uh, it was a good, it was a good time to be a book fan. It I was a say. good Those time. My release parties, man. Those were, were awesome. <laughs> and, <They> were uh, awesome. <laughs> and, uh, for me, I think at least with that book, that I think that's the one time I've been part of the cool kids group, quite frankly, as far as like <laughs> books go. And what a cool group to be a part of. Unless let's, you let's count Animorphs. <laughs> Are 
All right. Do you remember Animorphs? Rougher, but, oh, yeah. No, I, I read a ton of those. Oh, my God, uh, me too. I remember when, what's his face, Tobias became a hawk permanently. It was very devastating time. <laughs> very stressful. Very stressful. Um, so maybe I've been in the cool kids club a little bit more often than I think, but uh, Harry Potter, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have my own cool kids club. Okay. I know it's kind of weird. <laughs> Jeanette, you, you are, you are a cool kid. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but for Harry Potter, it felt why that one really drew me in personally was because it was this world that felt like I could exist in it you know there was that blend I think that's why I got so heavy into urban fantasy for so long was because there was that blend of things that should never exist and yet in this book it's right there you just can't see it right and right and that for me was a big reason why I was drawn into that but it was also the strong characters and there was a Hermione who is exactly the kind of character I love to follow around (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Hermione was my, I was Hermione. You like, are Hermione. Grade, I, I straight up had that hair. Like I was that obnoxious. That was me. Fourth grade. hundred percent. I can show you the pictures. I won't, but I could. Um, <laughs> Did you tell somebody that they had a bit so, of dirt on their nose? And right oh, there. Uh, yeah. Just right there. Wingardium <laughs> <laughs> Liviosa. So, um, there, there, I think that's a really important part, the, not just that you can see yourself in the world, but it helps if this world can coexist with the one that you're in mm-hmm. right now. Because it helps, it helps with the mind's eye. I remember with Harry Potter literally like wandering through the woods around my house and just imagining what the American school of witchcraft and wizardry was like. And of course, they don't accept people until 14 or so I had decided so I wasn't worried that I didn't get my letter at 11, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, you make your own rules when you need to. Of course. Um, but, like, but like it, that definitely helps. I mean, the Matrix as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, for all of its positive and negative impacts. Um, you know, it's, it's undeniable if Tainted Legacy um, was also another thing where you could, the, the world in the book coexisted with the world that we were in. And that, that I think, can make a a really exciting possibility for the reader, you know, that makes mm-hmm. it easier, but that, but that doesn't mean that it's required. I mean, if you, if you ask my, if you ask my husband, Brian, any question about the Cimmerillion, he, he can tell you, he can tell you every King, every elf, every story. Like he has that whole thing on lock. And, you know, there are other people I remember who, you know, like a, a classmate of mine, would write all of her class notes in Elvish. Um, That's impressive. And you know, certainly there there are those who have that kind of encyclopedic information about uh, Star Wars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be attached to our world, but I think it has to have very clear rules. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, the author has to have a world trapped inside of them, in that they know everything that's going to happen in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting because um, Game of Thrones, <laughs> Game of Thrones is a very odd situation for, for us book fans because we, we, I, I read all the books and I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next one. And then the series happened and I said, it's okay. I'm reading the books. I don't need to see that again. It's great. Great costumes, but I don't have the time. It's fine. And then they passed me and now... <laughs> Oh, they're doing information which is not in the books, and I'm not even sure if 
um, how much of it is going to go with the actual books when and if they are published mm-hmm. and if that, those are coming in in any kind of timely manner. And so, you know, whether or not, like, the world there seems more fluid, I think. I'm not entirely convinced that he knows the world, like, the back of his hand as well as, say, a... Um, uh, oh, J.K. Rowling, there we go. J.K. Or, Rowling or um, Tolkien. Tolkien knew Tolkien. every detail of every rock Ooh. in his world. <laughs> he did. He did. He knew the history of every letter in every alphabet <laughs> that he invented. He was a serious man. He was. Um, yeah. But even like Narnia, you know, Narnia does kind of coexist with our, with our world. But again, you know, it seems like a situation where um, Lewis, you know, knew, or uh, C.S. Lewis, you know, knew his world very, very well. Um, or something like the, the like the Phantom Tollbooth, where the idea of... Oh my God, I loved that book. The, the idea that, like, you can just get a package and then a toll booth will show up in your living room and then you walk through it and you're transported somewhere else. Or, you know, yeah, like, Nar- yeah, like Narnia and all that. Those type of transportation uh, books where you're transported to somewhere, you're, you're in this world or like the never-ending story when you're transported from this right. world to another world. So absolutely, those are pretty excellent. Um, speaking of what makes things compelling... Uh, what makes mm-hmm. us turn the page at the end of a chapter in the book you're reading? Like, what kind of dev- devices are used that always get you that make you want to turn that page? You know, Stephen King does this so, incredibly well. He ends a chapter in the middle of a thought. Every single chapter, I'm like, well, of course I need to know what she says next. Turn page. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mary? That's I think that's the Ghostbusters or the Ghostbusters. I think that's the Goosebumps school of page turning. Yes. <laughs> and then something terrible happened. Turn well, what page. is it? That wasn't actually that terrible. <laughs> she spilled her soft drink on her lap. <laughs> oh my God, Goosebumps did Look that. Out, she so said, bad. lying on the ground, looking dead. Turn the page. She's not actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> that's why I read those I, so I, fast. I, Yes, well, I mean, one does. I'm reading them a lot slower since I'm reading them all in French. Nice. But it's good times. <laughs> uh, so they're very fresh in my mind in that respect. Um, I I would like to eschew this and say what makes me put a book down. <laughs> I do want to hear this. <laughs> and, and possibly throw it in disgust. <laughs> um, there, there are... Because, again, because I read so fast, it's such a big time investment for me. Uh, it takes a lot for me to not even skim a book, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, usually I'm reading it appropriately. If I if I love it, then I'm, like, reading a chapter and then forcing myself to put it down because I'm like, no, save it for tomorrow. It's going to be great. And then sometimes I'll just, you know, like an Agatha Christie book or something, I'll just sit and I'll just let it wrap around me and envelop me, and I'll just read the whole thing straight through Uh Rainy days with Agatha Christie is, is just really a, a good time to be had. But, um, yeah, flimsy plot devices, uh-huh. um, terrible treatment of women. Oh, yes. And look, look, we have to, if we keep bringing up King, like, we have to, uh-huh. we have to mention that he has some serious, oh, yes. serious uh-huh. women issues that are, that are latent in his work. And, yes. you know, like, I read through Carrie, and I'm like, oh, this is fine. And then I read Christine and The Shining and uh, Dr. Sleep, and I was like, okay, you know, a little bit, like, it's still really, really good. 
And then I read Cujo, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> and then I read um, It, and I was like, why? <laughs> because it's a masterpiece, but there's some things in it that are just not okay. <laughs> and then um, now I am trying really hard to get my way through The Gunslinger. And, you know, the Dark Tower movie's coming out. looks great. Everyone's talked about this. This is a well-known, a well-known thing. I definitely want to get the references. But, like, every character, <laughs> every character that this main character meets is a hot woman who desperately wants to sleep with the main character. <laughs> so the first character he sleeps with, and because she's apparently a nymphomaniac, question mark, unsure, <laughs> she's in the desert, I don't know. And then the second one is, this is literally the only women mentioned in the whole book. <laughs> the second one is this woman who is apparently having an incestuous relationship with her, with her father, maybe, but she looks at him like a cow while grabbing her nipples. Nice. Good. Mm-hmm. That's solid. Mm-hmm. The third one he rapes with a machine. Yeah, it's really going places. Don't worry, though. The mm-hmm. third one he rapes with a mm-hmm. shotgun. It's now we're cooking with gas. He wanted it, maybe. I, I'm unsure. And I, I shit you not when I forget my, oh gosh, I'm sorry, language. I shit no, you, I, I, we have an explicit warning. I shit you not, good, good readers and folks. The, the, the next. No, that's fine. You can, you can swear. It's fine. Besides the ones that happen on Earth, because they really don't matter, um, <laughs> is a demon oracle character. But in order for him to, for it to tell him the future, I guess he has to sleep with her <laughs> for some reason. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. It's a straight up every single character. And so I'm like, like, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, and then I read another chapter. I'm like, oh, this is even worse. Same thing. I mean, and he wrote this very early in his career. And I understand that. And, you know, I I can't, he's written so many, so much amazing, amazing work. You know, I, I don't mean, you know, but it's important to realize that not every author's work that you love is, you know, made of platinum. And, Definitely seeing that kind of frustrating tripe over and over again yeah. is just like cringe. Well, that you know, it, it becomes it becomes almost like almost like an endearing quality of somebody being juvenile that you're like, oh, well, I don't, I I really enjoy your writing, but that's just something that's a part of who you are, and and I'm gonna have to either accept right. it or or enjoy you as a writer because of it, because of the fact that you're you have that juvenile quality to you that makes you it shows some of your flaws as a person in your writing and you're allowing that to be on the page. Right. So in a, in a right. way it's just, it's just a character trait for him personally that, that makes his writing what it is. And, and I do acknowledge it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a characteristic of the time, mm-hmm. you know, it's a characteristic of his up, upbringing, you know, like there's, there's all of that, but it, you can't ignore it. You know, <laughs> no, you especially, can't. especially as a woman reading this stuff is like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then like, you know, you'll discuss it with other other Stephen King fans and you're like did you see this and they're like well I mean I guess and you're like no but really <laughs> but I mean you can't uh I-, I am certainly not one to say that an author or artist needs to be perfect for their work mm-hmm. to be appreciated um I am a big fan of relative morality and of you know abstract morality from their from their work for example one of my favorite authors of all time growing up and now still is Roald Dahl um, oh. who is a terrible person. <laughs> like, <laughs> frankly, he wrote these amazing, incredible books that have literally shaped how I tell stories 
and how I use words and just who I became as a person. But looking back at his letters and the stories people had about him and the cease and desist letters that were sent to him, um, I have to acknowledge that he was not a very nice person. <laughs> um, you know, and that's part of his legacy too. And, and, and it doesn't mean that I can't enjoy his work, mm-hmm. you know, uh, warts and all, so to speak. I don't think that's fair. I, I think the work stands of its own, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a flower on a dung heap, as they say. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, I think it's still important to acknowledge, you know, the, the frequent chauvinism that is a, is, is a theme in a lot, especially his earlier work. Hey, um, so, and um, so I wanted to just ask a question of Jeanette. Yeah. Um, was there a specific book or what makes a book impossible or unenjoyable for you like what makes it something that you want to just put it down and close it immediately uh there's a couple things that make yeah, me want to <laughs> there uh the mistreatment of women's a big one where i will just want to throw my book across the room and a couple times i have legitimately yep, nope. thrown a book across the room why the bleep bleep mm-hmm. and then i just go off on a rant and i have to call my sister and tell her how stupid this is um because my uh-huh. sister and i yep. have nerd rants regularly um one of our mutual pet peeves is when the lead mostly female because we are coming from a female perspective and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um when the lead female is just a dumb vapid shell of a human being why are you with this person i don't know because i'm doing this (laughs) (laughs) yeah that can be tough that can be really tough and i find i find some of the most popular ones that i i think that's part of the whole mary mary sue thing too. it's the like, mary sue thing 100 percent, and it drives me it, insane it's so it's so hard it's so hard to get through and you're just like i just i need to if she talks about her inner goddess dancing or doing cartwheels one more time i'm going to take this and i'm going to throw it directly out the mm. window how many times can you or, say inner goddess let's find out uh, uh-huh. Or um, another thing that will make me yell and scream at a book is senseless, senseless violence. Um, I know, mm-hmm. and I read Splatterpunk, yep. and I know there is this genre where there is just this this idea of senseless, senseless violence for the sake of senseless violence. Um, however, mm-hmm. I have read some really good Splatterpunk that mm-hmm. has this gratuitous amount of violence, but they motivate it. So it's... You, yeah, it, it's different when you just horribly rape someone. This happened in a book I read oh, recently. God. You horribly That's rape tough. and murder someone, and you you describe that scene in exquisite detail, and then Ugh. the guy who did this gets murdered off screen. I can't finish that book. I'm so mad at you. Yeah. I want nothing to do with your book or anything you have ever written. It just makes me I, so I angry. <laughs> or ever will write. I. I- I mean, there, I had I had some difficulty even with a uh, Game of Thrones, honestly. Yes. The rape and murder, which the rape especially was amped up for the oh my for God. The, the TV series, which is part of why I was I, I hadn't I'd kind of looked the other way and done mm-hmm. other things because it was it was tough enough to read the first time, and I understood how it furthered the plot the plot in most cases. So you know, I, I understand it, but it wasn't fun no. to read through. You know, it was kind of a slog. Um, in some cases and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you for that. Um, I also have a, a sin, which is if a, it's not while I'm reading a book, but if I'm reading a book, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I finish it and it has a, sh- a crappy ending. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
that is where my big rants come in. Brian, I'm just like, rah, 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 rah. we won't even speak of this. This is it. I can't. Ah. It just seems sometimes like they have like a deadline and they just finish it just for the sake of finishing uh-huh. it, and they don't Absolutely. really know what they're going to do with it. And it just becomes Absolutely. extraordinarily unsatisfying. Like I was saying, like from a whisper to oh, a scream, so... really good yeah. book, but the ending kind of felt like a giant video game. Like it just didn't have the same components uh, that made everything move me, move me forward throughout the whole book. And, and so when things didn't Absolutely. come, I just, yeah, it just, it's just, it, it ruins it for me. It definitely makes, or even and like, if you, and if you have gotten attached to the universe and the characters in it, it hurts even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Because you you want to see a satisfying ending, and I I don't know if I could exactly tell you what a satisfying ending is. It's different for every story, but if it just kind of goes, I don't know, and then they all died. Just, uh, this book, bonfire, done. I'm done with you. And then, and then her whole reason for died, and then it was okay, though, because she just went with one of the trio of the love triangle and don't worry about it too much. <laughs> uh. oh, that's, that's great. Yep. I love it. So on the opposite end of that, if you get to the end of a book and you, and it had a great ending, you really enjoyed the experience and then you go to read more from this author, but their style is inconsistent. Do you find that you end up just losing interest in this author again, or do you kind of give them a chance? I, I'll give them a chance. Definitely. I mean, you know, we all have, you know, hopefully these, these uh, authors have long careers and Mm -hmm. their work can change so much. And I, and I just don't think that, you know, anyone should be punished for, you know, trying something that doesn't necessarily work as well, maybe as the first thing you, you read, you know, I mean, certainly there's you know second child syndrome for books which is oh yeah you know very difficult for an author to write something after you know something wildly successful like harry potter or um you know books like that um and you know i i don't think they should be punished for it and i just you know if it's not if i'm not really digging it that much i'll just kind of skim skim through it so i at least get you know make sure it doesn't get any better and then you know, see if there's anything that that grabs me and then just kind of rip through and move on to the next one. Um, even Neil Gaiman, whose work I adore, you mm-hmm. know, there's some stuff and I'm like, okay, this is a little sloggy. You know, this is, you know, there's a really great segment here, but I really don't like the rest of it, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, um, I'll do the same thing where it's, it's, I usually will give a, an author, if I have a really great experience in one of their books, I'll do the same thing and skim through something if I'm like, okay, this is an earlier one. I'm not quite digging it as much, but I, I still want to support them and read it. Then I will. Yeah. Um, but that is something to say is as an author, once your work gets out there, it is worth developing and trying to stick to a style a little bit. So um, I know some authors totally break that mold. Some will write for kids and some will write for adults and they'll write in all different genres and they do an amazing job. But when you're first getting started, it doesn't hurt <laughs> to have stories that have a similar feel. And usually that just happens by creating it. But um, it's worth keeping in mind, I think, when you just have a few out there. And actually, um, yeah. there's a, a good example of this was 
I, you might have to cut this out, Alex, but um, I'll, I'll talk to Nelson. Nelson Piles has me as his beta reader for his new book that's coming out. And Nelson had a really just kick-ass first novel and a couple other books and short stories that I've read. And I was really excited to be one of his beta readers. But that first draft that I was exposed to didn't feel like his writing. It was too nice. It was too happy <laughs> for a horror book that was supposed to be kind of a hard-hitting uh, thing, kind of like his other writing. So I, I we talked about it, and the next draft that he sent me was just like, oh my god, instantly punched in the gut. Yay, good job. Now I'm back on track. So it definitely helps. I mean, that's why we have beta readers, right? <laughs> it's true. It's very important to share your babies and be like, here you go. What do you think? Well, it's a little upsided. We are, we are only as good as our editors. I am, I am a strong, strong believer that editing is, is an art that, well, a lot of people who are not writers don't understand how important it is. They just kind of think that authors sit down and then this magical world is on the paper and that's it. <laughs> Ta-da! So speaking of editing... But it's canon! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of editing, um, Jeanette, do you enjoy when a writer is very descriptive or more to the point? What kind of style? What style do you prefer? You enjoy the most? It depends on the story. Um, it really depends. If if it's a really fast paced story, and I'm not some if I'm somewhere familiar. So if I'm somewhere on Earth and it's like modern days, you can skim past details for me because I'm going to fill in those details on my own. But if a fantasy mm -hmm. novel skims past details and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I thought we were in the woods, but we're in the middle of a city and there's skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. I'm confused. You didn't build the world for me. Now I don't know what's going on. And then I put the book down because I just you've lost me. So it really... how many times have you read? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. How many times have you read a, a fantasy, especially fantasy or sci-fi uh, and read about it or really any genre? Uh, how many times have you read about a character and had an image in your head and then suddenly a detail was inserted that you just never even occurred to it? It completely jars with all of the images that you had had. Uh, pretty frequently. <laughs> yeah. And and specifically in fantasy and sci-fi, those tend to be the ones where they really want to flesh out those details the most. So if you don't get right. those details in early on, like the fact that, I don't know, some uh, sometimes it's worked for me but there was one there's one story i can't even remember what the heck it was but the whole time i thought the main character was a girl just thought it was a girl it was just gender neutral which worked for me and i just inserted myself as i i tend to do except somewhere in the middle they made a decision and it wasn't at a pivotal moment it was just kind of a oops now it's a he what wait we were talking about oh, peeled dear. boots or something weren't we <laughs> When yeah. this just totally changed my perspective on something or or uh i don't know like this person's missing an arm it's like shouldn't that come up sooner mm -hmm. you know or or we're in yeah. outer space like unless it's it can be constructed in a way where it's specifically avoided but there's times that it just feels like an accident and it just right. is jarring Definitely. So, yes, that happens a lot. And it definitely happens more in my experience with sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. What makes a compelling first chapter? 
For me, mm. it's usually if we're talking fiction, start off with a gunshot. Not not literally a gunshot, but start off with something exciting. I really love books that start off with action. Um, oh, okay. Personally, so it's just or or something that that's just kind of puts you off kilter. Something that isn't expected, you know, either either just mm. very action or. Or the main character gets the rug pulled out from under them somehow, and there, you're off. Like, let's start. Those are my favorite ones. I have a hard time getting into ones that are slow burners, and those tend to be the ones that I pull from Audible. Um, like Moby Dick. Let's talk about <laughs> whales and why Moby whales are inc- science. <laughs> Moby Dick would have been incredibly short if it had actually just been the story of yes. Moby Dick. Yep. If he hadn't randomly shoved in all kinds of chapters about whales. <laughs> it could have been like a sentence like end, I was so frustrated and exhausted about all the details of the mating cycle of the sperm whale. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yep. Um, or for, could it, uh... for me <laughs> Go for it, Alex. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it would have been like uh like a one sentence joke with uh, Eminem saying mo- that Moby's a dick. There you go. There you go. He had nothing important to say. Nothing just, at all. <laughs> just a zinger bad, for you. That's, bad that's puns. One of my, but 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 one of my favorite, um, uh, one of my favorite insults came from it. Oh, what's up? What's the matter, Mopey Dick? <laughs> <laughs> Mopey Dick. Oh, cracks me up. What's the matter with old Mopey Dick over there? It's like, oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Um, ironically, one of my English major friends, Mopey Dick, Mopey, now I can't even say it, Mopey Dick, Moby Dick is one of his favorite books. And I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to be friends. I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. But um, nope. for me, I like something a little weird. It doesn't have to be a lot weird just a little weird doesn't have to start from and that's when i knew that i had had to kiss this rhinoceros right on the nose like it could just be something like you know a man was walking down the street and then a tree bent down and it took its hat you know yeah what (laughs) i'm intrigued why did that happen (laughs) what is going on here you know like you know and you know a man was looking in the mirror and said you go and tell them you know, you, you, you got this, you go in there and you ask for that promotion and his mirror starts talking back to him, you know, <laughs> like, or his mirror goes for the promotion and takes it from him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I definitely but love I mean, things like, that start weird too. Yeah. Just a, a little, it doesn't have to be a lot weird. Like, I guess those are a little extravagant, but it can just be a little bit like, huh, something's a little off, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay. It doesn't have to explain everything right away. You know, I, I'm fine with things that do lay it all out, like, you know, the Dursley lived on number four perfect drive and were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it it can be a little descriptive as long as there's something something odd, something that's going to, you know, pique my interest or something, you know, very beautiful, you know, or, or something that, you know, is just very funny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I certainly appreciate humor in books, so. A good joke can get me get me rolling. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you can, if you have something, anything to latch onto, if it's a character, if it's a moment, if it's a 
and action, that's what draws you in. Mm-hmm. Says, okay, let's try chapter two. There yeah. you go. Uh, does, mm-hmm. the t- does the time of the year affect what you read and how can a writer take advantage of that? Uh, um, time of the year doesn't affect me too much. Um, I mean, I am occasionally known to pick up something spooky come this time of year, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, summer, you know, I might choose to read something more summery, but I'm not really into the, the beach reads Mm -hmm. crowd too much. Um, so summary for me is like Zen and the motorcycle or uh, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance or, (laughs) you know, some kind of more non-traditional summary books. Um, so yeah, for me, it's more about what's going on around me, what, Mm -hmm. what I'm interested in at the time. Uh, time of year definitely affects what I read for sure. So if it, if it seems like there's a, a bigger theme to a book, like The Shining, I want to read in the middle of winter when it's snowing outside because it just adds to mm. the experience for me. Or like for you, you were just saying yeah. that Agatha Christie on rainy days is a wonderful experience. So mm-hmm. there's certain things that I will specifically reach out for, but those are not a new book. Those are repeat customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will mm-hmm. go... When there's a certain mood in the air, if it's a certain time of the year, like there's just certain stories I want to return to in front of a campfire or when I'm stuck in a car going to visit family or something and I'm in the passenger seat. There are certain books that I will read Mm -hmm. because they bring just bring like this nostalgia to me. Um, Yeah, I don't always pick new books based on where when or where I am, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I will like I did the. the beach read thing for a year <laughs> it really amused me because my goal was to find beach reads for horror fans and i found <laughs> just like the trashiest b-horror kind of books like bigfoot on long beach or dinosaur lake <laughs> and they were amazing they were That's just amazing. fun and campy and it was exactly what i wanted i wanted something fluffy to read while i was out camping and it was great <laughs> but they do make for great recommendations so if a writer were to um be really good at describing the atmosphere or creating the atmosphere of that particular time of year. You enjoy it. You're going to read it again, and you're probably going to recommend somebody to read for that time of year if they ask. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the uh, I think two things. One, uh, I also realized that I read a lot of outdoor-related things when I'm out in the woods hiking and stuff, mm-hmm. since that's a, a nice place. Camp Campfire is definitely a great place to, to read by a cup of light. And then two, I think you're right. I think that... Uh, you know, trashy, fluffy, fun beach reads. Like, you know, it's it's like it's like cookies. Like, <laughs> you should have some cookies every now and again. Like, don't yeah. don't tell yourself you can't ever have cookies. Like, because you have to always read, you know, deep dark things or whatever. Like, just sometimes read something just because you know you can. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, how bad can it be? Mm-hmm. Let me read something and laugh at it. You know, whatever. Like, yeah. um. Uh, it's funny. I had picked up, an, uh, you know, I had picked up. Um, uh, oh my gosh, what's it called? Um, eat, uh, eat, pray, love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at a, I don't even remember. It was either a free book at a cafe, or I had grabbed it for like fifty cents somewhere. You know, it's one of those books I just had a copy of, and um, Brian and I were heading to uh, Montreal Spa. 
uh, for a couple of days where I would have no access to phone of any kind or laptop. So, you know, I grabbed a book that I wouldn't care if it fell on the water because I was like, there are thousands of these everywhere. <laughs> you know, everyone's read this. So, you know, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but I'm just going to give it a try. And it turned out that it's liked for a reason. It's so charming and her voice is actually something I really want to incorporate better into my own writing. Um, and I'm just so glad that I, I gave it a chance, even though I had, I had seen the movie and my mom was like, you need to read this. My mom's a big rom-com fan. Oh, I'm yeah. not, <laughs> not super into the rom-coms. And she, you know, I've, I've seen the movie and I was like, well, you know, like, uh, I'm okay. I've read Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I'm okay. You know? <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it, I'm just glad I gave it the chance, you know, and, and even, you know, things which could be considered trashy, like, you know, like Michael Crichton or John Grisham, mm -hmm. like, you know, those are great. They're fun, you know, like, um, and young adult things, you know, picking up, oh, yeah. you know, uh, unexpected things. Um, I was re I've been reading the, the lunar cycle. Um, and it's fantastic. It's, it's brilliant, you know, and I'd read so many hunger game knockoffs with young mm -hmm. adult fiction and I was like, okay, okay, whatever. But this was so fresh and interesting and new, even though it was a take on Cinderella that I was just like, this is really cool. It's asked some really great questions, you know? And so, you know, it's good to give books a chance, maybe even just because they're going to be silly and fun. You know? Yep. There have definitely been books I've read that were just like, this looks ridiculous. I want to read it. So <laughs> this next topic, um, I know for both of you, since you both ingest so much as far as books, audible versus digital versus physical for books. Okay. So audible I like for heavy novels or heavy topics um, so that I can be doing something else while listening to it. So that's where my business books come in. That's where the really long-winded classics come in. Uh, that is how I, that's how I read, quote, um, <laughs> Moby Dick and a lot it of counts, like, it counts. yeah, <laughs> I read it by listening to it while I was doing things. Um, so you those, heard every word it counts. I did. I heard every word. Um, but that's that's where I like Audible is when it's something that I wouldn't normally have the patience to sit through, but I really want to learn about it. So that's where my nonfiction comes in is usually I will grab an Audible book when it's nonfiction because that I will I will absorb better. Actually, I've discovered if it's if it's something I really need to focus on. I have to be multitasking. <laughs> my hands oh, need to be so busy. Um, I can actually go through my school notebooks and tell you exactly what was in my mind as I was sketching things out because I would remember things better if I drew a picture while I was doing it. So there you go. Uh -huh. um, digital books, I consume a lot of and I really love having a Kindle and having my phone and having things with me wherever I go. Um, so that I don't have to have an entire backpack full of things, although I still do that regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But that being said, physical books still have a really close place in my heart. I love to have them around me. They, remind, they just make me feel uh, better. I'm definitely a collector of books. And the ones that I keep around in physical form, they have to be something special. I am not going to yeah, keep really. just some random book around that was like, that was kind of an okay read. Those go back to the book barn. I'm just like, I am done with this. Goodbye. So, I will pass you along. Yeah, exactly. Th that's, that's how I feel. I, they, 
they're all I love all of them actually I just need them for different purposes yeah that's relevant what about you Mary um so I have a confession to make which is I although I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, I don't really audible very much. Um, I love the idea. I love listening to works performed by, you know, really great, thoughtful um, voice actors. Um, I would love to hear, for example, uh, Neil Gaiman reading the Graveyard Book. That sounds like an amazing idea. Yes. <laughs> um, but for me, it's it's an it's a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes me a lot less time to read the book than it does for me to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, uh, the opposite of Jeanette, um, my retention is much better when I read. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm listening to things, um, podcasts, I can, you know, multitask and whatever, although sometimes I'll have to listen to parts of it twice and or take notes um, for me to really get things to sink in. But with books, I have to see the word on the page um, to really take it in. Um I, uh, I use a lot of digital books and I use a lot of physical books. Um, I certainly use physical books exclusively for most of my life, um, being made fun of a great deal because of the vast, you know, piles I would drag with me. Well, I mean, you know, well, uh, well-intentioned, uh, fun posted at me about, you know, how strong I would be from carrying all these textbooks around, which was completely worth it. I mean, like, you know, if you're you're going for a weekend, you're bringing six textbooks. Like, oh, put yeah. it down. Those are textbooks, <laughs> like not novels. You know, like, and that that would be very much par for the course for me. Um, <laughs> having an iPad uh, has and and my phone as well to read on has been a, a total game changer. Yes. Um, you know, I have seventeen thousand books on my iPad right now. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. I have around a hundred and forty gigs of eBooks. On my hard drive. That is a lot. Uh, Told you she was legit. Yeah, I'm a a little obsessive with my, you know, acquiring of 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 books in that that respect. A lot of them are, um, you know, public records and things. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 Oh my gosh, copyright. What's the word? A lot of them are older, you know, so so that public domain. But um, thank you, public domain. There you go. Um, you know, papers and and uh, essays and things, um, which are which are fairly easy to acquire uh, mm-hmm. online. But um, you know, I still buy physical books. Uh, lately, I have been buying eBooks because I prefer to read them on my iPad uh, rather than in my hand. Um, and the reason for that is uh, <laughs> I have discovered highlighting in my mm-hmm. iPad. Um, I, I'm not the kind of girl who writes or marks uh, books in general, but on my iPad, I can I can write all kinds of notes to myself and sticky notes. And then if I'm reading in other languages, I have dictionaries built into the iPad that I can check the word and then write the definition on a note and then have all of those highlights together. And then I can compile them into a vocab list for that chapter or whatever I want to do, um, which is a real like benefit and then also you know if it's something really brilliant that i want to use these all these ideas from and quotations from and whatever i can highlight passages and then you know again look through them very quickly and get them for writing or for essays or whatever you know or recommendations or whatever i'm writing um so that's been a real benefit also physically 
you know, as Alex said, you know, when you when you read as much as we do, like you can't have physical copies of everything. Uh -uh. No way, you know. And I feel very, very guilty when I inevitably go to the book barn and bring, you know, I'm only going to get one book. Yeah, okay. Nope. Sure, boss. You know. So. uh... So speaking of uh, digital, is there a price point for digital books that you won't pay? Is there a cutting off point? And you're like, you know what? I don't really know this author. I'm not sure if I want to buy this. Where, what is your cutoff for pricing for digital? I mean, I'm really stingy. Like, it's terrible. Um, you know, I look for used copies and things more often than not and on Amazon, and then I'll resell them. Um, but uh, if it's a book I really want, and I'm thinking about it for a few weeks in a row, you know, then I'll, then I'll usually nab it. Um, but I, I still stick usually under $20. Um, if it's something really exceptional that, you know, is going to be a very, a very helpful resource, you know, something that's like tried and true, then I'll, I can go above that. Um, but unless it's something I'm, I'm really ridiculously excited about, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick below that price. I am exactly the same. $20 is where I'm, I start thinking, uh, for that much, I might as well get an, a physical copy. Mm-hmm. Do I want it enough yeah. to have a physical copy around? <laughs> because that's not just here's a book so I can read it. It's here's a book in my space. Um, I under fifteen dollars. I don't really think about it at 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 like at fifteen. I'll go. Mm, do I want it? I'll think about it. Ten and under. I'll usually jump on it. Just like, go for it. I just right. I'm. I want this. It's under $5. $5, I just, I don't think about it. 10 I'll think about it. 15 I think about it longer. 20 I really have to want it. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's definitely a cutoff point for how much I will spend on a digital book. I'm not, I'm not stingy, however, after I know that it's an amazing book. Like, after I've, you know, whether I had a secondhand copy or whatever media I got my first copy in, if I was a huge fan I will buy I will buy the digital version so I have it always in my library Mm -hmm. and then I will buy several like paperback brand new versions and send them to all my friends you know like I (laughs) I'm definitely I'm definitely the kind of person who like if something's really extraordinary I'm like okay yep you all need this right now like you you know (laughs) I'll talk about it all the time so you know I'm I'm not entirely a terrible customer um (laughs) But I just, you know, I mean, it's also a matter of budgets, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think <laughs> if I, if I were a, a big spender, you know, I could, uh, wouldn't be spending it on fancy cars. I'd no, spending more books. It on books. <laughs> more um, books. Um, I am willing to spend a little bit more on an audible book that I'm really, that I really have my eyes set on. So an audible book will mm-hmm. put up that price point a little bit more, but I do have an audible subscription. So if something's mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. expensive, I'll wait until I have a credit so I can get it basically for 15. Cause that's every month nice. is $15. And, and you're technically then... like paying the voice actors and all that. Yeah, exactly. Doing that, so. So, oh, yeah, it's a lot more production. Like I will spend more on an audible book because I know there's more that goes into it. And I will spend more on a digital book because I know that it's something I'm going to be able to hang on to and I'm not going to have to worry about damaging yeah. or, or anything. And it takes up so little space. It's like, if I love this, like I just, just grab it. If, you, yeah. if it's something I want to read, you know, then I, I don't have to worry about, well, now I have this physical book that I don't have room for. What mm-hmm. do I, where do I put it? Um, so this is more of a challenge. Um, 
if you were to give a recommendation, uh, one to two books for an advanced reader and one to two books only for a new reader, which books would you choose? Harry Potter, year one and two. And, oh my God, Harry uh, Potter. <laughs> and, the right then, and then Harry Potter, um, just just lump all of the books into those. You just read all of Harry Potter. Advanced readers have to read seven. <laughs> start, with, start with Harry Potter. No, but don't start with seven. No, you have to build up to the pain. No, no, you have to. But you have to read all seven if you're an advanced reader. And new readers, you just yeah. start with book one and make your way through it. That's um... Yeah, I, I honestly think that Harry Potter is a great place to start. And yeah. I know that there are people in this world who, who don't, don't like Harry Potter. And I would love to uh, give you a suggestion past that, but uh, I don't know. Um uh, the Lunar Cycle, again, uh, Cinder is the first book of that series, um, is a really nice retelling of fairy tales. Um, Orson Scott Card's um, Ender's Game is a really oh, yeah. interesting, fun sci-fi book to get you started, um, especially as a younger reader. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what was the other one that I was thinking so of? His game levels up significantly from book one to book two. Oh, Orson Scott Card's Enchanted is another really fun one for younger or, or less advanced readers. Um, it's an it's a very interesting retelling of Sleeping Beauty based around Russian folk tales. Cool. Um, speaking speaking of worlds that you would and would not want to inhabit, no one. Uh, the joke is that you know everyone wants to live in a Disney European fairy tale, but no one wants to live in Russian fairy tales because they are all terrible things happen in Russian fairy tales. Um, I need to read that one. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I have a I have the soft cover you can you can steal. I've been trying to get nice. Brian to read it, but that hasn't happened. Uh, the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Oh, uh, that one's another, so good. Another classic. For for the nonfiction side, I was legitimately serious about Harry Potter. Actually, if you're just jumping into yeah. books, read Harry Potter. There's something at every age level that will entice you there. Um, oh, Peter Pan. Also. Oh my God, Peter Pan. That is a, there's so many good them. books so good. that you can just jump into. That's why it's so hard. It's a challenge. It's like the it thing that we challenge. did where the photography challenge okay, we did to make non-fiction. 20 and then pick like five that you like. <laughs> um, Mary, there, there's my nonfiction books come from you. The four hour work week. Woo-hoo. Read it. It's amazing. It changes your life. Um, it's really then, good, but you have to you have to approach it from the right angle. Yes. Uh, it's easy to approach and be like, oh, it's a smarmy you know, like get rich quick scheme. And that's not it. Like, look at it as this is an interesting study into the future of work. And um, it's still the future of work, although it, you know, the book is some years old now. Uh, It was very prophetic and, and books and that, and it like that and it's ilk are very, I think very important to survive the new Mm -hmm. playing field career wise. And then uh, my second one would be, I, I'm pretty sure this was another recommendation from you, Mary, and it is On Writing by Stephen King. Oh, I love that. Yes, that is good. I'm pretty sure you uh, recommended on writing, that to me. On Writing by uh, Zinser is another Ooh. another good one. Same name, different author. Um, I need to read that. Also, Jeanette, have you read How to Win Friends and Influence People? Nope. You should check that out. Okay. That was that was like the first self help book that I I read, with the exception of like the American Girl Guides to Divorce or whatever. <laughs> um, um, and the so it's a book from the 30s. You know, it's a little dated in, in its voice. But what's amazing about it is 
it teaches you to see people as human. Um, I know that sounds kind of strange, but um, it changed, it completely changed how I view my interactions with people and how I, you know, what I care about and what I don't care about. And it, it just made getting along with people so much better. Again, with the title, it sounds like some kind of sleazy, you know, marketing thing, but in fact, it's more like how to do well at life by not being an asshole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on our show. I'm so glad I had an official place to like, nerd out with you for an hour or two uh you're also welcome to come nerd out here anytime we have a new floor in the basement now uh-huh. we yeah. had a rather uh, a rather biblical flood and had yeah. to redo our our beautiful finished basement which suddenly became unfinished but now we have a new floor and uh, the sky's the limit so to speak so um everybody right, listening thank you <laughs> Everybody listening, if you enjoy travel, like hearing about that, make sure to go check out Mary's blog, which is 1000 Golden Highways. Is that correct? That is. I'm also very active on uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you can certainly find me on Goodreads. I I love uh, commenting and talking to other people who are avid readers, so I'm always looking for for new friends there. (laughs) And we'll make sure to add links to where to find you. Is there anything else you want to mention that uh, people should check out, Mary? Um, that's about it. Uh, cool. Yeah. But I definitely recommend checking out her blog because she writes some very amazing little, sh- basically they're short stories, but your trips. You tell us about the places <laughs> you've been and you just have this wonderful way of, uh, of telling your stories as you as you went on wanders. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, my, I do a lot of reviews on Goodreads as well, and uh, I, I let my snark come out. So <laughs> if, you, if you enjoy snarky reviews, then um, you can also find those there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week, and uh, thank you again to Mary for joining us. Question of the week. What gets you to turn that page? Like, what, what works? I'm, I'm very curious. I know that'll take more characters than Twitter offers, so uh, go to facebook.com slash ninth story podcast, the number nine TH story podcast, and leave your response. What gets you to turn the page? And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to us. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, anything there is out there. I'm sure we're on it. And please tune in next week. For our next episode, we're going to be talking to author Brian LaTondra about NaNoWriMo and how it can help you. We publish on Eastern Standard Time, so every Monday morning you can expect to hear our lovely, sultry, nerdish, bookish voices. Yep, nailed it. <laughs> Mr. Bigster, what kind of novel you gonna write, Mr. Bigster? It's NaNoWriMo, Mr. Bigster. Or Mrs. What novel are you gonna write? Da, 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 da. Or gender neutral person, novel writer. I'm gonna go to bed because I'm exhausted. Me too. It's really late at night, so I'm singing. If we keep singing, we'll sing right into midnight and then we'll all turn into pumpkins. I wanna see if this works. Ah, 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 down now.
pumpkin. That's the sound a pumpkin makes. Is <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for tuning in. This is the dance song at the end. You can't see it, but I'm shimmying for you. Shimmy, 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 shimmy. We'll be having on author. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Sorry. Hi. Testing service. After the beep, please record a message. Afterwards, Fine. your message will be played back to you. Okay. Uh, yes, I uh, went and did laundry today. It was excellent. What? No. Yes, I went and did laundry today. It was excellent. What? If you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. If you hear this message, but not your own voice, then something is wrong with your What, am I annoying or something? Please microphone settings or visit Skype.com for more help. Sorry, not sorry. testing service. Goodbye. Goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.